This is Cody Smith, and you're listening to the Virtuous Coach Podcast. What's going on, you guys, and welcome back to the Virtuous Coach Podcast. In today's episode, I interview Jeremy Miller. Jeremy Miller is a runner and running coach. More importantly, he is the owner of Stronger, Faster, Farther. It is a coaching company for runners, and it is also a strength app, more recently, for runners and endurance athletes alike. And in today's episode, we talk about his story of how he came to be who he is. We talk about best advice for new runners, common mistakes runners make, talk about pacing and then creating valuable content you guys should definitely check out jeremy's content online it's amazing he is uh, i believe he is one of the content creators for nick bear the ceo and founder of bpn and in today's episode we basically jump into his story and all the things that i listed above again make sure to check him out on instagram he is jeremy miller or jeremy m-i-l-l-e dot r on instagram make sure to check him out again his content is fantastic do yourself a solid and give him a follow but uh other than that you guys as always i do ask you to pay one simple fee please take a screenshot on your phone if you got any value from this take a screenshot on your phone post it on your instagram story and then make sure to tag both jeremy and i in it again i am at coach cody smith and he is at jeremy m-i-l-l-e dot r on instagram the reason why we do that is we ask you to do that is for a number of reasons. One main reason is I just want to know who this is reaching and who is receiving valuable from or value from this. But more importantly, we just want to spread this show. We want to get this in the hands of more people just like you guys who are listening to it right now. So again, take that screenshot, post it on your story, tag us both in it. Without any further ado, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. All right, you guys. Hey, welcome back to the Virtuous Coach Podcast. I am very fortunate to have Jeremy Miller on the show today. Um, Jerry's got uh, Jeremy's got a really cool story about how he made his way to running and stuff like that. I reached out to him a handful of weeks ago and uh, was very surprised, honestly, at how quickly the response came in and how friendly he was and how willing he was to come on the show. And uh, I feel very fortunate to have him sharing some time with us today. So, Jeremy, man, welcome to the show. Cody, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. So. We were talking a little bit before we jumped on air, you guys, and um, I was kind of sharing with Jeremy my story of how like I found my way to this this running bug that I've caught for you know a little over a year now. Uh, Jeremy just signed up for my first marathon. Pretty excited about that. It's going to be in April. And nice. um, so uh, nonetheless, I'm going to try to pull some information out of you around running and stuff like that. But before we get into some of that stuff, man, share your story with us. You know, Who are you in a, in a nutshell? Yeah, so uh, I'm right now. I'm 25 years old. Grew up in Wyoming in just a small town. Um, my junior year of college, my girlfriend and I, Bree, uh, we moved out to Hawaii to do an exchange program, and that was just like, I would say, one of the most pivotal moments in both of our lives. Just because you know, growing up in a small town and then moving to Hawaii, like a, a polar opposite culture from what we're used to in Wyoming, um, that was just like you know, one culture shock and two like. I was 20, she was 19. It just, again, like just this huge shock to both of us of like, okay, like, okay, there's, there's so much, one, there's so much more out there in the world. And two, yeah. um, like you have to just grow up a little bit. You gotta be independent. And uh, I think, you know, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations like that, where, you know, you move across the country or move somewhere and you don't know anybody and you gotta fend for yourself basically and, and try and meet new people and, and get into to new circles and stuff. And so, um, I think that's, you know, one of the most powerful things you can do. And for sure, we experienced that. So I guess long story short, we um, we moved over there. And uh, after living there for a few months, like, you know, we started trying new things and trying to, again, figure out what we wanted to do with our lives. And um, I listened to, I was listening to Joe Rogan podcast and uh, listened to uh, his episode with David Goggins, never heard of David Goggins before. And, uh, you know, listened to him speak for a few minutes. And like anybody else who hears him speak, you get fired up. You want to go run through a brick wall. I literally and, was uh, thinking that like the first time I heard him speak, I was like, I was like, I, with the closest <laughs> wall I can find, I'm going to run head first through it. Like a, like a rhino. Yeah. Dude, he does that to you. I don't know yeah. if it's like his voice or just his words or a combo of both. Like, I mean, he's just a super inspirational guy. And um, so I, I listened to his podcast with, with Joe Rogan and then bought his book, listened to his audio book, read the physical book, did all that. And then slowly just started like one mile a day every day and then that worked up to two miles a day and then i remember like my first four mile run you know it was like took me like 30 or 40 minutes maybe and uh 
it felt like I just ran a marathon. Like I, I like <laughs> I walk in the door at home and I'm like just laying on the couch, like, oh my God, that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um and like now it's crazy because I mean I'll run six, seven miles a day and not even think about it. So it's just yeah. looking back, and that was only four or five years ago. Um it's like and I think running is, you know, one of those things that um it's always you versus you. And it's just that continuously like showing up on a day-to-day basis and, and, you know, chipping off time and, you know, adding on miles slowly. But um, yes, that's a very long way of saying how I got into running, I guess was really, you know, listen to David Goggins and, you know, just every day, just chipping away at it slowly, getting a little bit better and better. Yeah. What would you say? You know, it's very interesting. So very similar story to me. Like I was kind of telling a little bit before we started recording, like um, last year, it, it was kind of like my David Goggins was Nick Bear, right? And then obviously that led me to, to David Goggins. And then that led me to um, like brain farting on his name right now, uh, Cameron Haynes, like yeah. just all these like different guys that are like just doing hard stuff every day and like super inspiring. They had a ton of content out there. I like stumbled into some of their stuff and I was like, I'm just going to run a half marathon. I'm just going to go do it, you know, and like uh, actually downloaded Nick's app and like took his so i'm like kind of familiar with programming with running and stuff like that i've done it over the years i've just never officially done it myself just all theory all like principle-based science stuff and um basically took his marathon program and broke it down into a half marathon program just changed some of the volume but kept with the speed day kept with all the easy runs really embraced like zone heart rate training and uh, i remember the first time it was like a five minute on one minute off times 10 sets run right and it was like easy run i was like when i got finished i was like dude, I just ran for an hour. Like, no way. Like that's, that's, that's insane. And then my wife actually like jumped into it. She caught the running bug and it just became this whole thing. I don't know for me, like what the switch was that made me love running. I I still, to this day, can't put my finger on it. Do you have like any insights for yourself? Like what about running just like sucked you in to where, Hey, I'm going to go run for two hours in 30 degree weather. You know, my legs are going to go and then I'm going to come hop in a cold plunge. Like what, like what about those things? Like just get you fired up and like, like what is that bug you you would say that kind of attributed to, Hey, I'm going to run all the time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's one particular thing. I think it's a number of things. Like, you know, I would say the first thing that comes to mind is just the, the meditative aspect of running. Like I never listened to music and never listened to podcasts. I used to have to rely on those things in order to get out the door and go run. And now, um, for the last few years, I haven't. I just, I just never wear headphones. Um, and you know, the only thing you can hear is the thoughts in your head and your feet hitting the ground basically. And, um, I don't know, your, your mind goes to one, some crazy places and two, like some very creative places as well. Mm-hmm. Like that's where a lot of my creative ideas come from. If I have, you know, something going on in my personal life, I can kind of work through those things and and think about them on a run. It's just very meditative for me. Sure. Um, I think a lot of people could probably relate to that. And then, um, you know, second, like you mentioned earlier, it's just like, you know, doing something hard every day. And I remember I go again, going back to David Goggins of like, he has that philosophy of like, do something every single day that sucks or something that's, that's very challenging. And so I kind of embraced that. Um, like my second year into like fully running consistently is just like, okay, every day, whether it's running or lifting, or, you know, like you said, hopping in a cold plunge or doing something that's going to challenge me every single day. And that's like, obviously physically you're going to get more fit. You're going to, you know, get stronger, run farther, faster, whatever, but mentally more than anything, that's where you're going to see the most gains is just like, just like you learn that you can truly do hard things. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of lack that confidence in themselves of like, I, I, I can never run a half marathon or a full marathon, but it's like you run four miles and the next week you run five miles and you just slowly chip away at it. And it's uh for me, I think running is a very tangible way to see your mental gains, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, that, I totally agree with you. There's there's kind of two things that come to mind when you were kind of talking to for me. The the hard things aspect of like, so I, I do a little bit of business mentoring with with like other gym owners and stuff like that. And recently we were flown out to uh, Pennsylvania to kind of just do like a little like clinic for them and stuff and just go through their business and just help them to poke holes in some of their systems and repair them. And <clears throat> um, one of the gym managers asked me like, like, how do you build confidence as a leader? How do you build confidence as a person in that, like, you know, you're you're able to basically stomach some of these decisions that you're going to have to make that are going to affect so many people? And it's funny because when you're talking about like doing hard things, I remember telling her that doing something really freaking hard every single day is always going to help you build confidence in yourself because it's like 
truly when you go, I learned so much about myself when I was training for the half marathon. That's why I'm like excited to get into this marathon build of like, I know I'm going to have to run more volume and I'm going to be spending more time on my feet. I, I very much like to do like you too, like no earphones in, just get in my head. The only problem with like, when I think of something creative is I like, I got to pull my notepad out of my phone really quick <laughs> and like type something down or like drop a voice memo. But it's just, there's something to be said about, I'm going to run for two hours nonstop and, um, like you just feel a certain way when you're done. Like I just moved my body for two hours straight and I'm still going to go home and like, you know, I've got three sons. I'm going to go home and I'm play with my kids. I'm going to, I've got two Huskies as well. So I'm going to chase my dogs around like, and just still be able to do that. There's just something to be said about the type of confidence you can gain from running. Um, and then truly like you, you never really understand what is possible for your body until you go run for hours and hours. I mean, you've, you've done ultras, right? Like a, a 50 mile or something like that. Yeah, I did. Uh, my first ultra technically was it was like the second year I was running it. It was a, a twelve hour endurance challenge, and it <laughs> was it was from yeah it was from six thirty p.m. to six thirty a.m. So the majority of it was in the dark. Uh, this was up in the mountains in Wyoming, and I really didn't train for it. I signed up for it like two weeks beforehand. And I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna go do it, trying to hit like fifty miles. Um, I think I ended up doing like forty three miles, and then my knee like crapped out on me. But so close. But yeah, it's, it's again like, and then. <laughs> Last year I did my first like official ultra as a 50 gotcha. miler. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the ultra space, that's just a whole nother level. And like you said, it's, you can always go further or you can always run faster. Um, I think that's the great thing about ultras, especially is like, um, it's not about speed necessarily. It's just about like really how long you can mentally endure that. Like, obviously if you're not physically injured, like it's going to hurt. And, and I found that through my, my last ultra was like, there came a point honestly, like two hours into the race out of the 13 hours total of like, okay, I reached this pain level. And then from there for the next 10 hours, that pain level never got any worse. Mm -hmm. It was just how long can I continue enduring that pain? And I think that's really what like a hundred mile race is or a 240 mile race, like Moab, like, and, and I mean, as long as you're fueling yourself and again, you're not physically injured, like your body can take you so far. Um, you just have to mentally let yourself do that. Yeah. Are there, are there, um, mental game obviously is, is is very important i find in running it's just like the way that you speak to yourself and the the types of conversations you're having in your head and maybe there's somebody listening to this that has never done any running before they they think i'm crazy because i'm talking to myself but i tell you like you're you're having some conversations with jesus or somebody like when you into a run for a couple hours you know like for you like are there any mantras that you kind of go through in your head when you're running i mean you don't have anything in your ears you don't have you know old joe rogan in your earbuds when you're running or anything like that so like what are, are there any mantras or like conversations you're having to just kind of keep yourself dialed in? Um, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I think, um, again, I think it's David Goggins. that says the most important conversation you ever have is with yourself. Um, because it's, it's, again, it's that self-talk of like, you know, whatever you're telling yourself, that's, what's going to become your reality. So if you're telling yourself negative things all day long, you're, you're going to, you know, you're going to become depressed or, you know, have all these like issues pop up. Whereas if you, if you're constantly telling yourself positive things and, you know, promoting that self-confidence, I think that's where good things happen. Um, so I don't know, I can't say that I necessarily have, I mean, obviously there's a dialogue in my head, yeah. um, but typically it's just like, you know, just really like go one more mile, like mm -hmm. you know, do the next mile, do the next mile, like do the next rep, whatever it is. And just like kind of I don't know. It's I've never actually thought about it. Try to put it into work. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it just kind of happens naturally. Um, but I would say it's like, I don't know, just continuously telling myself like, you've done this before. You can keep going. There, there's like, you can go way further than you ever think you can. So yeah. it's, uh, I don't know. I'd have to actually think about that one for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe something to stew on a little bit. So it's funny, like, uh, you know, like the conversations you had are very important. I've always been very careful with like the type of labels that I put on myself. And not allowing myself to believe certain dialogues that, I mean, cause I don't know if people are in my head when I'm running or like doing a crossfit workout or something like that, they're like, man, you must not like yourself very much. But I kind of like, I don't know. I get by with just like aggressive conversations. Maybe it's the martial arts side of me, like very aggressive conversations in me. But I think a lot like dialogues I have are very similar to like David Goggins. Like I'll say like, I'm the hardest, like in my head, I'm like, I'm the hardest MF or anybody's ever met or like nobody can touch me. Like I'm just talking like all this crazy stuff because like, I got to say, I mean, you got to stay fired up when you're running for an hour and a half yeah. or two hours or three or whatever it may be. Um, 
Cool. So I, I want to kind of jump in on some some more of the like the coaching side stuff and just things that you have kind of come along as you've gone through coaching people and you know experiences you had yourself. Um, what were some things like initially with running that you you learned that like you didn't you didn't foresee being something like see if I can frame that better. What were some things that you learned that you didn't already know when you got into running or even coaching people? Yeah, I would say two major things. And if anybody follows me on Instagram or whatever, they probably are tired of hearing me talk about this. But uh, the first one is running your easy days, easy running your easy runs easy. Um, And you mentioned earlier about heart rate training. Uh, That's when I first start coaching people, that is almost always the first thing that we have to adjust is most people go out and they end up running way too fast because I think a lot of it comes from, you know, like gym class or sports growing up where they're like, okay, if you're not sweating and breathing hard and laying on the ground after you finish up a run, like you didn't actually do anything. Whereas like, if you do that on a day-to-day basis, like it's not sustainable. You're just going to be tired and fatigued all the time. You're never going to actually improve because you're never giving yourself enough time to recover anything. And so um, really 80% of your runs should be very, very easy. That conversational pace, you know, running under your max aerobic heart rate in that aerobic zone. And uh, for me, it took me like a good year or maybe even two years to actually learn that and, and just find that discipline really is what it takes to actually run slower because it's, Again, for me, it was like, it was like an ego thing of like, yeah. okay, if I'm going to post this run on my Strava or on my Instagram and people see I'm running 10 minute miles, they're going to think, wow, this guy's slow, but really like who gives a shit? Like it's, right. it's, uh, it, it's, it doesn't matter what people, what other people think and anything, but, um, right. it's like, that's how our bodies are going to grow and, and become more fit is by, you know, doing what physiology demands. And so, um, that was the first thing. And then second is strength training. Um, there's such a. I don't know if it's like a stigma or like a weird thing within the running community that most runners don't lift. And that was something I had to realize too. Like I always lifted, um, it's more like conventional, like bodybuilding type of stuff, just kind of like staying strong. Um, never really had like intention behind it. So then when I realized like, okay, you can actually use lifting to not only improve your performance in running, but prevent injuries. I mean, most people go through shin splints or stress fractures or all these, you know, runners knee, all these different common running injuries that strength training can prevent. So incorporating that intentionally, you know, three, four times a week, um, with the running is, uh, and again, I think not, not treating strength training, like, oh, it's, it's all about aesthetics and, you know, getting big and, and bulky or whatever, just like use it as an aid for running. Um, again, like to, to, pre- to prevent injuries and to improve your performance. So those are two biggest things is again, strength training and then, um, just running your easy days easy. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I guess it's not funny. I don't know why, but this is just saying people say, you know, um, like a lot of you guys that are like new, I would say in like the, the hybrid athlete space, like it's, it's been very fascinating to me as I've kind of like you, you had done some collaboration with somebody on Instagram probably today that just popped up in my feed. And I went and looked at his page and I was like, man, this dude's Jack too. Like, it's just interesting to see like guys that carry significant muscle mass, but it can also run marathons and ultras and stuff like that. I think that's probably why, a lot of people, it seems like right now running, a lot more people are getting into it. And I wonder if that's just because for the longest time there was that stigma, like, man, like, I don't want to be, you know, uh, you know, a very tall, like I'm, I'm already six foot five. Like, I don't want to be six foot five and 170 pounds and sure I can run forever, but can't do a split squat. Can't do a, you know, a box jump or anything like that, <clears throat> but it's kind of changing to where like, you're seeing a lot of people that are very muscular and carrying muscle mass and very fit the Nick bears of the world that are like also running these crazy long distances and all this volume. I think that's kind of broke the mold for people. And and, and truly why I'm attracted to it right now is because, you know, then there's a lot of science coming out about concurrent training and how like you truly can do these things as long as like your nutrition's dialed in, your recovery's good. Like you're not going to run away your gains, if you will. So that for me, I know that's helped me to kind of come to conclusions of like, like I can, in fact, do jujitsu. I can, in fact, do strength training. I can, in fact, do CrossFit and still run mileage as long as I am timing these things and, and managing volume appropriately. So that that was kind of a cool thing. Um, and so I love that you said strength training inside of there. Second thing, too, is it's kind of a follow-up question. Um, as I've got into coaching people, especially my wife even, initially she had a really hard time maintaining like a zone two or a zone three at any sort of pace. Like she she found herself just like always jumping into the one fit the high 150s, high 160s. What would you say to that person that like struggles to keep in the proper easy run zone or you know, the perceived proper easy run zone? What would you say to that person that has to like, 
um, that, that finds themselves always getting above that? Or should they stop and walk? Do they need to stop until their heart rate comes down? Like, is there some value from training with a higher heart rate? Like, I'd love to hear what you think about that. Um, I think one, a lot of it depends on your goals. You know, if you're training for, you know, your first 5k or 10k, um, if you don't have a lot of experience, then I think you, you do need to try and dial in your heart rate and keep it under that max aerobic heart rate. Um, just because that's the only way to actually build true aerobic fitness. And so mm-hmm. generally what I recommend to people who, when they have a hard time keeping their heart rate down is, um, again, this is where the discipline comes in, um, and running slower is like, you might have to do a run walk or you might have to just run at like a snail pace, like, you know, like 14, 15 minute miles sometimes for people where it's like, it's literally borderline walking, but that's what it takes in order to keep your heart rate down. And what I've found with all the athletes that I coach is it takes about four to six weeks of consistently doing that, Mm -hmm. um, for about four to five days a week before their heart rate finally starts to drop. And then they can run consistently at like their normal, comfortable pace without having to worry too much about their heart rate spiking. Um, so that's, that's again, what I found through my experience is, uh, yeah, take about four to six weeks for that to finally kick in. Mm-hmm. Would you, so you would say just basically running too fast for your easier runs is probably like the biggest mistake that people make. Yeah. A hundred percent. Cause it's one, it's just way too much taxing. It's too taxing on your body and, yeah. and your muscles. And it's just like, you can't do that on a daily basis. And then second, is you're just never, you're never going to build true aerobic fitness by mm-hmm. doing that because you kind of just end up in that gray zone for most of the time where you're not building aerobic fitness, but then at the same time, you're not running hard enough to get a, to be getting true anaerobic fitness. So you're just like in this weird, like teeter totter between the two constantly. And most people just end up plateauing there because they're not building either one. So you really need to make like a clear distinction between easy days and fast days. So like easy days, again, way, way easier than you think they need to be. And then on the fast days, you're running faster, at least at your goal pace for your race or faster. Um, and it really only takes, it's like that 80, 20 rule. So, I mean, like four to five miles a week running hard, whereas the other 25 or 30 miles can be like nice and easy. And that's, that's really the, I guess the secret sauce you could call it, even though most yeah. people do that now, but for whatever reason, it's just not common knowledge. And again, I think it goes back to, you know, PE class or sports growing up where, you have to just be going a hundred percent all the time to actually be doing anything. It's just such a misconception. Yeah. You just, you just kind of get really good at suffering. I've seen that a lot in the CrossFit space over the years of like, just there's a level of like, you need to go hard. Sometimes you need to really push your body. But I I found for a long time for me personally, as like going through the competitive stuff, when I embrace just more like pacing and finding, I mean, cause you can find like an aerobic pace that, you know, a, a, a zone, we'll say zone two to like low zone four, like, or, or high zone three, we could say like, you can find a decent pace like that going through some of the, you know, the lifting resistance and jumping and bur- like, you can find that. And for a long time, I didn't embrace that. And it wasn't until I embraced truly trying to pace each round the same and feeling like maybe I went slow in the beginning that I, like, I felt like that my conditioning started to raise. So it's kind of interesting thinking about it now. Like I was kind of doing zone training in, you know, now, like I, 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 project my whoop up on my, my phone and stuff like that. Cause I'm truly trying to embrace, like, yeah. look, I'm, I'm going to, I'm doing all this stuff right now. I've got to balance all this volume right now. I don't want to be killing myself in a CrossFit workout and, you know, then trying to go run eight miles at the end of the week and my legs are torched. Um, which question comes to mind with that for, I found for me when I trained for the half marathon that I had to really balance the amount of leg volume that I did because <clears throat> I remember going out on an eight, an eight mile run. It was one of my like long run days for that. And um, there's hills everywhere in Washington, by the way, like you can't go in any direction for a couple of miles without running into like a steep climb. And I felt so terrible because I had done back squats the day before I felt so terrible trying to climb. And it was like a suffer fest for, you know, a little over, like, it was probably right around two hours for that. And it was kind of the worst thing, <laughs> like thinking about it, it was the worst training day that I had, you know, you're going to have your good as and your bad, but like, that was really bad. Do you have to pay attention to like the specific leg volume that you're doing right now? Is it like, you know, are you like, I do legs on Monday as far away from my long run as possible. Like, how does that look for you? Yeah. So typically what I recommend to people, and this is the same thing that I incorporate into my own training is stacking leg days on either that speed work day or on the long run day. So in the morning, go hit a big speed workout or go hit a long run. And then in that evening or afternoon, Mm -hmm. that's when you can hit the leg 
day. Cause I mean, if you go hit a big speed workout or a long run, your legs are probably not going to feel great the next day anyways. Gotcha. So stacking them on the same day and just kind of like overloading your legs on that one day a week or two days a week. Um, it kind of optimizes your rest times. Cause then instead of, you know, spreading them out, like do a big speed workout and then two days later do a leg day, like you're just going to be sore for like four or five days rather than do it on the same day. And then you're sore for just a couple of days afterwards. Gotcha. Um, so that's what I found works best. I don't actually know the science behind it. I don't know if there's really been any studies on that um, because it is kind of a newer thing of like, you know, combining that, that, that heavy strength training with the, uh, with the running volume. So yeah. I don't know. I, I'd love to know if there are studies out there, but um, for, again, in, in my personal experience, that's what I do. And that's what I've found work best for me. Gotcha. Love that, man. So Jeremy, kind of moving forward, like, what would you say, something that I discovered when I kind of got into running was like, you know, you got to have decent shoes, you got to have some running gear, like you got to, um, I found that like things were getting chafed that like I just hadn't experienced before. So I started like just kind of researching on all the things that you need. There's, there's, you know, I don't know, like we, we joke in the CrossFit community about people that got like belts and wrist wraps and the knee sleeves and, the, and they put all their stuff on, they look like they're going like deep sea diving, right? for, for like runners, like what is just some, some, you know, bare bones gear that most people have as far as just like recommendations from you? I mean, one of the great things about running is it's very low barrier to entry. It doesn't really require a lot. Um, I, I mean, the number one thing you should have is a good solid pair of running shoes. Don't just like grab some old pair out of your closet. I, I would Don't get, get like the old nice... Nikes that you cut the grass in. Like not a good idea. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would, I would get like a nice pair. I mean, you can get anything you know, around a hundred bucks, 150 bucks, like relatively affordable. Um, gotcha. that's going to last for a while. Uh, I generally change out my shoes every three to 400 miles. Um, and, uh, another, one way to, to kind of prolong the life of shoes is to rotate them out. So I have multiple pairs, which obviously is more cost up front, but it prolongs the life of them. And you can, you know, go for five, six months without having to swap out shoes. Um, so one good pair of shoes. And then two, I would probably say a, a good GPS watch, so like Garmin's are great. Coros are great. Apple watches are obviously super popular, but for running, I don't typically recommend Apple watches just because they're kind of limited with the data that you get and, you know, mm-hmm. tracking workouts and stuff. Um, so I usually recommend Coros or Garmin. And again, you can get, I think those are like 150 bucks at like the lower end. So like, mm-hmm. again, pretty affordable. Um, and I would say, I mean, really shoes and watch are like all you need to, to go run a marathon if you wanted to. I mean, honestly, like you don't even need the watch, but obviously it's going to help track your training and, and keep, sure. um, keep your data in check. So yeah, I would say those are probably the two things that every runner should have. Yeah. It's funny. I bought the, the Garmin solar like extinct, um, shoot two years ago. And when I got it, I saw that you know, my wife uh, bought the Garmin Phoenix and she was like, just kind of playing around with stuff when we were, got into running. And she was like, oh my gosh, you can program your workouts in and it'll like tell you when to go and to stop. And I found that was awesome because it was just, I hit go and I just kind of follow as it told me to do. Um, and, and I kind of like my watch because it looks like a dumb watch, but it's a smart one. So I like, I just keep all my notifications off of it and stuff like that. Um, and the, it, it was just cool. I just stumbled into doing the right thing with that situation. Cause other than that, I just would project my whoop and the heart rate there for a long time. Um, love that man. So that's kind of gear. Like, um, I would say kind of moving on from there. Like if a person does want to continue with like lifting and paying attention to like adding these miles on and stuff like that, um, how many days do in your opinion? And I, and I realize that it's going to be very individual from person to person. Um, if you had to kind of get just like a general recommendation, like what kind of split should people follow? Like how many days a week should they be putting to strength training? Should it be done after they're running or before? Like, do you have a personal preference with your athletes? Yeah, generally, um, again, if, if running is your main priority, I would run first thing in the morning and then lift later in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, I found that that's, it just feels better too, because I, I'd rather run fasted in the morning and then lift later on in the day when I've had some time to fuel and, and get some calories in. Um, and so that's generally what I recommend to people. And then, uh, as far as like, you know, on a, on a weekly basis, obviously that's like, it's very subjective, um, for how many miles you can handle and, and how many lifting sessions you can handle. But for, you know, somebody just getting into it, I'd recommend trying to run for anywhere between two to four hours a week. And, and for the first couple of months, I'd probably wouldn't do a lot of speed work, really just like work on building that, that running base, not trying to worry about hitting certain paces or anything. And, um, 
you know, like we talked about just running in your aerobic zone, just letting your body adapt and get used to the mileage and, um, mm-hmm. you know, building up that resiliency in your legs. And the same goes for strength training. If you've never been in the gym or you've never done any kind of strength training, definitely just ease into it. Probably going to be super, super sore for a while. <laughs> um, but, uh, that's where, you know, the recovery comes into play make sure you're sleeping good, eating good food. Um, there's, there's just so many factors when it comes to all this stuff and yeah. it's, again, it's super subjective. Um, but you know, the biggest thing is, you know, make sure you do re- your research on, on all this stuff and you know, listen to kind of all the stuff that we talked about in this podcast. And then, uh, just listen to your body as well. You know, you only, you know, when you're overdoing it or, or when you're overstressing yourself. So, uh, that's probably one of the most important things as well. Yeah. Like guys, if you're, if you're trying to do both and you're like struggling to put your socks on in the morning, you probably should take a day off or two, right? Like you shouldn't be fighting to pull your, you know, your socks and your shoes on. Um, do you, as far as like, um, side question, um, man, it's cold right now, right? I'm sure it's cold in Austin as well. Um, what advice do you have? Like, I find myself, you know, feel free to make fun of me, but I find myself like wanting to find, uh, be on my treadmill very often. Cause it's like, it's dark. It's always raining in Washington. It's cold. The last thing I want to do is be outside. Um, what advice do you have for people during this time of year when it is hard to get outside and get those miles in, unless you're the, that person that lives in California or Arizona where it's warm all year round, like what advice do you have for those people? Uh, again, I feel fortunate living in Texas during yeah. the winters, just cause it is, uh, it's generally pretty nice. Like this morning, it was like 55 degrees. On my uh, own. So it jealous. wasn't bad. Um, so but you know, like growing up in Wyoming and, you know, running there through the winters too, it's, it can be tough when there's, you know, two feet of snow outside. Um, so the treadmill is totally fine during the winter. Um, what I do recommend to people is if they are running on the treadmill to set it at just a 1% incline mm-hmm. because treadmills are a little bit easier. There's less resistance than being on the road. Um, and so just knock it up to like 1% incline and you can do those same runs and you're, you're going to get a similar benefit, you know, physiologically, it might be a little bit different on your legs just cause it's a little bit softer as well. But, um, you know, again, aerobically you're, you're still going to get the same benefit as being on the treadmill. And honestly, like if you can, if you can tolerate the treadmill mentally, like that's all the better. Cause it's, uh, for me, at least sitting on a treadmill is way harder than being outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know. I, I can't stand the treadmill. I couldn't tell you last time I ran on a treadmill, to be honest. It's literally, uh, I, my wife and I were just talking about this last night. It's the worst. Like, <laughs> you know, we do put it on the 1% incline as well. I, I'd heard somebody say that years ago and I've been doing it for as long as I can remember. That was like when I was, I spent some time in the military when I was in the Navy, that was the only way that you're going to do any sort of running. But the, the, tre- there's just something, I don't know. I find the treadmills like, uh, it's like swinging a weighted bat in baseball, right? When I get outside and I just, I just feel like I'm ready to be shot out of a cannon and go. <laughs> right. Um, which is always super refreshing for me, it's kind of like a been a blessing and a curse too. Right. So there's like the mental side of it. It's super hard, very challenging mentally to stick with it and to continue to go paces. I find are a little bit different, but like I said, man, I get out going on the road and I just feel like I'm, I'm shot out of a cannon. You know, I want to run a lot faster. Everything just feels super good. Um, do you find yourself having to run on any treadmill or anything like that right now? Um, again, fortunately living in Texas, it's, yeah. uh, pretty much running weather year round, which is really nice. Um, yeah. there was a couple of weeks where it was pretty chilly, but I mean, at that point it's like, you know, out there. Layers, then you'll be fine. Um, I actually get a lot of questions about like how to dress properly for the, for the cold mm-hmm. when it comes to running. And, um, what I like telling people is like dress to where you're just a little bit cold for the first like mile or two, where it's like, you get outside and you're like, Oh, it's, it's cold. Um, cause then after like, you know, that first 15 minutes or so your body warms up and then the rest of the run you're good otherwise you're just like if you go out and you're like you over prepare and then you're you know 10 minutes in the run you're just sweating and like trying to peel off layers and stuff so um i know that's generally what i tell people is just make it a little bit cold at the beginning and then you end up comfortable towards the end of the run yeah i love that uh so for you i got a question on like going from so obviously you got into running you you mentioned you found your way down to austin um, got a really cool job down there for a little bit, I'm assuming. And then you, it, it seems like you just from the outside perspective, it seems like you moved from, you know, just being a, a, an athlete yourself. I'm assuming you probably had a coach during that period of time too, to like moving into coaching. Where did that move come from? Or like, I guess, what was a deciding factor for you? Like, okay, I'm ready to start, you know, paying this thing forward and coaching others. Like, when did that move happen? Uh, yeah. So we initially moved to Austin in uh, January, 2022. So about a year ago, mm-hmm. um, 
and then I, I we came in here. I took a job with uh, with BPN, working with Nick Bear, um, doing like his YouTube channel and, and running like his personal content and stuff. Um, obviously being around him and then his coach Jeff Cunningham. Um, he's become pretty popular now too. Uh, I learned a lot from them. Um, and then I actually had Jeff coach me for my second marathon, which is where I qualified for Boston. Mm-hmm. And again, through that process, learned a ton. Um, and then you know just started posting more like personal content of like my, my running journey and like what I've learned. And, um, I just got like really great responses and feedback from people of like, wow, I didn't know this. Like, and I'm like, wow, I feel like there's just so much lack of knowledge out there in the running space of like kind of these basic things or what I thought were basic things. But you know, when I first started running, I didn't know any of these things either. Um, so I kind of was like, I, I feel like there's a, you know, an opportunity here to, to be able to educate people, you know, share that knowledge and, and, you know, help other people improve their running as well. Um, and I had a couple friends um, that were running their first marathon. Like, hey, I know you ran a marathon, done some ultras and stuff. Would you be down to to help coach me for for this race? And I'm like, yeah, I've never coached anybody. Um, no clue how this process is going to work. So I kind of used them as guinea pigs for for their mar- their marathons. Um, and I ended up enjoying it a lot because it's like I can, you know, I get to talk about running all day. You know, share share these right. insights with people. Um, and I could I could literally talk about this stuff all day if I had to, but. Um, so sharing that with them and then obviously seeing their progress and see their successes, it's like, that feels like a win for me as well. Um, and so I just love that journey. So I, you know, built a website, started, you know, kind of marketing a little bit of like, Hey, I'm going to be coaching people for marathons or, or any other race. And, uh, now I've got like, I think 50 full-time athletes that I work with, um, nice. obviously cycling in and out between, you know, their different races. And this time of year, it's a little bit slower just cause it's, uh, you know, the winter, but I mean, there's people, you know, training for spring marathons. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's been like a, it's been a really fun journey trying to, or, you know, transitioning from, you know, being a runner, I'm still currently a runner and athlete training for races, but, um, doing that alongside helping other people as well. And again, it's like, it's such a gratifying thing. And I'm sure, you know, this working in a gym and being with clients of like, you know, some taking somebody from literally like the couch to 5k thing of like never running any race ever, not running more than five, 10 miles a week to then, you know, going and running a half marathon or something. It's a, it's truly a win-win. Yeah. I I find it very, I mean, that's why I continue to coach. Right. I mean, at this point that my, my gyms kind of run themselves. I I, I am very hands-on still in my martial arts side, like the grappling stuff, just because I'm, I'm the Brown belt and my black belt and I are pretty much the, the leads there, obviously. So we have to coach or, or we get to coach. Sorry. But the, the gym side, like there's no real necessity to coach anymore. People, I have a team that does fantastic work over there. I just purely jump into the trenches sometimes just because like, I don't know, man, there's just something about a high five after somebody does something cool that just makes you feel good, right? Like you you, you want to, there's a there's a selfish side of like, I, if I feel good when I get to see you win. So it's like, we're both winning, but it comes from kind of a weird, like selfish place if you really think about it. Uh, however, man, like, um, I, I've got a lot of questions like on just the content creation side of the house, right? Like you, you've got your, I have online clients. I have in-person clients. I know that that's a juggling act. Uh, I, I believe, are you, are you, are you married, engaged? Like, uh, basically married. We've been together for like seven years now. I so. couldn't really tell through your social media. I was like, <laughs> she's been in his pictures forever. Like maybe they're married and he's never out. He said, but you, you, you manage having a relationship, you know, you've got clients, a relationship, your own content. I don't know if you're still doing content for other people. Like what does the management of that look like, man? Like, uh, do you have a, a rigorous calendar that hour by hour, everything just kind of set up? Like, how do you manage all that stuff? Uh, I've tried doing like that hour by hour thing. Um, and it, it, to me, it just wasn't sustainable. Uh, sure. and that's really no, what it all comes down to is finding that, that consistent, sustainable schedule on a weekly basis. Um, and I think a lot of it just comes down to like priorities of like, I don't spend hours scrolling through Instagram or watching Netflix. I don't even, we have a TV, but I never watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like just prioritizing your time and, um, you know, you know, figuring out the things that are most important to you that are going to move your business forward or your relationships forward or your fitness goals, whatever it might be. And just putting those things on, on the forefront every day. Um, so it's like, I wake up at like five 30 every morning, go for a run with the dogs. They get their exercise and I get my exercise in, um, come home, you know, work, check in with clients, create that content for the day. Um, and then, you know, in the evenings after four or five o'clock that's spent with, with the girlfriend and family. So it's like, um, yeah, again, it just comes down to, down to down to your priorities and um a lot again a lot of people ask me like how do you juggle this with like or even just the simple you know running and lifting every day like how do you juggle that and um again it's just like if it's if it really matters to you you're gonna find the time for it Mm -hmm. and 
it's um i don't know it's just all about priorities i think you can you can do if you can find you know two hours a day to spend on your phone you can spend 45 minutes in the gym yeah yeah i love that too i, I love that if it matters to you you'll find time that's something that's always kind of resonated with me especially within the past i would say year of getting into running of just understanding that because I, I would fall victim personally in the past of like oh, i don't have time to do this or i would you know let client bookings or something just kind of run me over. Right. Cause I still do sales consultations at our gym. I still have personal training clients. I've got to check in with my people. I got a program. I got to do all the same things that you do. Right. And the realization was like, if, if running is important to me, if my own fitness is important to me, then sometimes that other stuff is going to have to wait because I've got to prioritize those things a little bit more because they do matter to me. And it was kind of like, uh, it, it was almost like an epiphany I had like over the summer of like, man, I've got this 10 mile run that I got to knock out. I know it's going to take me around two hours, not counting the time that it's going to take me to drive there. And then I've got to go home because I'm a sweaty, hot mess after like there, there, I had to make sure that I put that and I prioritize that in my day every single day, because it was important to me. So anybody really listening to the show right now, like if you, if there is something that is important to you, then it's got to get some time out of your day. And, and that could mean that in some situations, other things are going to be less priority. Um, so with the content creation side of the house, man, like super creative, very like helpful stuff. Like it, truly, like I've taken things that you've done. I'm like, man, well, how can I spin that with the way that I talk about fitness and the way that I've done things? Um, what, <clears throat> I guess say like, where do those ideas come from? Is it just something that you, you know, I'm a big fan of, um, there's an author called Austin Kleon. He has a book called Steal Like an Artist. And I read that a long time ago. And I just kind of look at what a bunch of people are doing around content creation. And I'll just try stuff. Like I used to have, like, I got to have the perfect feed with the perfect squares and it's all got to look a certain way. But it, I've noticed that it really doesn't matter. People resonate with some certain things different than others. Like with the content creation, where do your ideas come from? Is that just organic? Do you get, you know, uh, motivated by other things? Uh, I don't even know if you went to school for that. Is there a school for that kind of stuff? Like, where does that come from? Uh, yep. Well, I guess fun fact, my, my undergrad is political science. So oh, wow. <laughs> absolutely nothing to do with nothing anything to do with it. Right yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I would say like, the biggest thing is just experience of, yeah. um, I mean, I started editing and shooting video when I was like 14 or 15. I had like one of the first GoPro. So I've been doing it for over 10 years. Um, so I've really, you know, developed a very efficient process editing wise and shooting. Um, but when it comes to actual like idea ideas for content creation, again, a lot of it comes during my runs when I'm just out and like, Oh, I think that'd be a good reel. Um, mm -hmm. or I think that'd be a good topic to talk about. Um, and then another part of it too is, I get a lot of DMs or questions from people of like, hey, I have chin splints. How can I prevent this next time? Or, hey, I want to run my first marathon. How do you balance strength training and running on a weekly basis? So it's like I I kind of like take both or take from both of like what are people actively asking me and just kind of answer those questions in the form of a video or I'll you know be out running or in my own experience. And I think that is one of the main reasons why I also still want to keep training and going through these uh, these different events is because through my own process, I'll, I'll like wonder something personally, like, Oh, how much sodium should I be taking before a 10 mile run? I'm like, Oh, that'd be a perfect video idea. Cause I had to do some research. I had to learn on my own. So if I have that question, then chances are lots of other people also have that question. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, it's like, once you do it over and over and you get those reps in, you kind of, you start developing an audience, you start seeing what resonates more with your audience. And then, you know, then you kind of like, it just becomes subconscious really of like, okay, I know these types of videos do good. I know if I frame it this way, it's going to perform well. It's going to resonate with other people the most. Um, so it's a, a lot of it is, you know, the reps putting in and then, um, I don't honestly, I think that's probably the biggest thing is just, you know, continuously doing it over and over again, just like anything else. Yeah. So this past year, I, I kind of adopted the Nick Bear approach of like, I'm going to, like, I have a media guy that kind of works for us and, mm -hmm. um, he, I kind of started off just using him cause he like fresh out of, like he went to school for videography or whatever it may be. And I basically approached him and was like, Hey, there's this guy, Nick bear that I really value that he's vlogged. Isn't like, I wish that I'd vlogged because you know, my gym, I started at the second story of a martial arts studio. Like we were dropping barbells and going through the, through the floor because it was like above the change. It was nuts. Right. And I wish that because you, you look at what we have now, we've got a 10,000 square foot facility. We've got a martial arts studio. We've got an entire team. There's like, everything's branded and, and just looks good in there. Like, but, and people look at that and they're like, man, like, you know, I, I'd love to know how you did that. And in my head, I'm like, gosh, I wish I had documented everything. <laughs> so I started doing it this past year and I find that, um, 
for a long time, I was doing a lot of podcasting, do a lot of video, uh, doing a lot of like video and content and like exercise demos and stuff, but I kind of got out of it. But now um, vlogging, it's like super awkward to carry my camera around with me all day long and to like talk into it. And I've got clients watching me like, look at this goon over there, like recording himself. What would you say to that? Like content creator that's just looking to get out there. Do you just have to live on camera? Is it just like, you've always got a GoPro and your, you know, your big camera and your phone going all the time. Is that just realistically how it goes? I mean, for the most part, yeah. Um, and one thing I still deal with this on a daily basis of sure. like, you truly just have to not care what other people think. Um, it's like you know, when you're out vlogging in public or even just, you know, pulling out your phone in public and, and taking some video of something like people are always going to look at you kind of weird or they're, you know, they're like, well, what's that guy doing over there on his phone or, you know, talking to a camera. It's always so awkward, like you said. Um, but for me, that flipped it switch was just like, I, 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 you just have to stop caring what other people think mm. and uh, and you know just do what what you want to do if you want to create vlogs every day or on a weekly basis whatever it is like you right. have to just you got to go out in public and do it or you got to just get comfortable talking to that camera um and even now like i still struggle you know sitting down and doing like a talking piece into a camera it's so awkward because it's so unnatural like nobody right. you know you shouldn't be doing that really but um over time you just get more and more comfortable with it and for me i generally just kind of like think of the camera as a person or a friend that I, mm. that I would normally talk to and tell these things to. And so, you know, subconsciously it just kind of helps me like work through it and, and make it a little bit less awkward, I guess. Um, and it, the other thing I tell people too, is that it's like the most important camera or sorry, the best camera that you have is the one that you have with you. Mm. So, and nowadays it's a lot easier with, with the newer iPhones and, and smartphones. Cause like the cameras on them are just so thing right. good it's all 4k and everything i mean previously like you have to carry around like you know a big camera like this basically <laughs> if you want to if you want to get anything decent quality so now yeah. i mean 99 percent of the stuff i shoot for instagram videos are just on my phone gotcha. and it's like casey neistat i don't know if you're familiar with him at all but he's like mm. the original daily vlogger um I, I love his stuff he's a big runner too but his thing is always that same thing of like the, the best camera you have is the one that's with you. And it's the the story of the video story is King. So nobody cares what the quality looks like. If it's the coloring is just right. And the lighting is just right. It's like whatever story or topic you're talking about in that video, that's what's going to be the most important out of everything. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, Jeremy, so it sounds like you have to run. Was that a timer going off here? No, no. as my, okay. like my 12 o'clock. Okay reminder to eat some food oh yeah just want to i want to respect your time uh so if, if you're cool i'd love to go a couple more minutes if you're if you're down with that yeah. yeah uh so the the um so i have a lot of coaches that have listened to this over the past and um that's always a common question too of just like you know content creation gear to have and stuff like that so i love that you just kind of talk about just having whatever uh, a good friend of mine has a, a, a podcast for brazilian jiu-jitsu and i have very often had this conversation of he, he will always encourage me to do more video and to, you know, make sure that I get the coolest stuff. Like I literally just got a roadcaster for this podcast, you know, six, seven months ago. Cause I just was like, okay, maybe I'm ready to have some good sound. I had like an old Yeti mic and, but I was so much more interested in just having cool guests on and having good conversations and, and, you know, the content was king and not necessarily what, you know, the content was shot on. Um, so I love that you said that for, do you have a basic template that you follow? Is it like, I'm going to do a running thing this day. I'm going to do a nutrition thing this day. I'm going to talk about supplementation this day, or is it just literally what comes to mind? Uh, generally on Sundays, I'll spend a couple hours kind of planning out the content for the week. Mm -hmm. um, and there's really not a lot of structure to it, which it, it's like, you know, it doesn't sound exciting, but um, it's kind of like, I'll look at like my calendar, but what I have coming up for that week, if I can have a big workout, I'll maybe do some content around that. Or, you know, if I have, if I don't know, I'm going to be on a podcast or something, I might do something with that. There's, um, there's always something going on typically. And mm -hmm. it, even with, within everybody's lives, like people are like, I have nothing exciting going on that I can film. It's like, I don't ever like have to manufacture anything, which is kind of the best part. And that's Gary V talks about it of like creating versus documenting. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a very big difference between the two. And I like to think I, I do more documenting rather than creating. Um, and I think that's, generally easier for people. It's more sustainable too. Cause it's like, you can just do the things you're already doing on a day-to-day -day basis, but just document it basically. Um, mm -hmm. and not have to like constantly be creating things and manufacturing this content. Um, so I think that's a, that's one hurdle that people can kind of get through that way. just like thinking of it as documenting rather than creating. Love that. Love that. Um, 
So, man, Jeremy, thank you so much. I know we had a, hopefully by the end of the production of this, you guys have no idea. We've had Zoom issues. By we, I mean, I've had Zoom issues. It's been kind of a, a little bit of a whirlwind. But Jeremy, man, thank you so much for sharing time with me today, man. I, I'm, I'm sure that everybody listening to this is going to get so much out of it. Um, kind of a parting question for you. Um, number one, I want you to drop in, you know, plug yourself, go over all the stuff you'd like people to kind of, you know, be able to go and connect with you on. And you guys should. His content's super useful. Like I literally go and look at it and just get something out of it every single day. So literally thanks for posting as a, as a, as a outside viewer myself. Um, but for you, like, I always like to kind of just like ask a parting mindset question, like what sort of, like, what's the stamp that you want to leave on the world, you know, with, with your content and just, you know, who you're trying to be as a person, like what's that stamp that you're trying to leave on the world for everybody? Um, I would say the motto I have for, for my personal brand is stronger, faster, farther. Yeah. And the, the, the meaning behind that is like, you can always do more. You can always be stronger, whether it's in fitness or in your relationships or in your job, whatever it is, you can always move faster. You know, you can run a faster race or you can, you know, take faster action and things and not procrastinate. You can, and then uh, you can go farther or gosh, I mix it all up. <laughs> I miss the person stronger. Yeah. You, or what did I say? Stronger already? Stronger, faster, further, I think is what you said. Whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, basically, the premise of it is you can, you can always do more. You can yeah. always, you know, you can do more than than you think you can. Um, and so, yeah, wow, I just totally butchered that. But again, the premise of that is is uh, you can you can always do more than you think you can. Yeah, love that. Love that. Uh, it's OK. I mean, if, if anybody butchered anything, it's the boot, the freaking <laughs> newbie. Oh, you only got 40 minutes of Zoom left. Uh, anyways. <laughs> Um, cool, man. Jeremy, please plug yourself, dude. Please drop in all the way that people can connect with you. I, I really want my listeners to come and to see your content and to be able to gain value from that. Yeah. The best place is probably, uh, Instagram. Uh, if you just search up Jeremy Miller, you should be able to find me. Um, I also sure. do some YouTube content, some like longer form stuff. Uh, again, just Jeremy Miller. Um, if you have any interest in, uh, coaching, obviously I do one-on-one -on -one coaching and then I have a, a training app as well. That's uh running and lifting programs, um, for people of all levels, which is awesome. So, uh, yeah, I hate plugging myself, but I know I got to do it. Got to do it, man. And, and especially like, uh, you know, I heard this a long time ago. I, I had a mentor. His name was Craig Ballantyne. The first time he told me something, um, that, uh, told me many things, but one thing that really resonated with me is like, when you have, basically a message and a value that can, you can bring to the world. It's like a moral obligation you have to share it. So uh, again, as a person on the outside, man, I love your content, super good stuff. And it's uh, I can resonate with it. It's simple to digest. Like, so man, bring them to you, get all the hundreds of thousands of followers, <laughs> man. You deserve it. Uh, cool. Jeremy, man, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate it, dude. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thank you so much for spending time with me today and tuning into the virtuous coach podcast. I release episodes every single week make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any. You can learn more about me by following me over at Instagram and Facebook at Coach Cody Smith. Lastly, and before you go, I would love your help. Please head on over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star rating and review. This is how we grow the show and continue to bring impactful information to you. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will see you on the next episode.